Hi, welcome to Tight Camera Action, our podcast about comic book movies. I'm Stephanie Kachias. I'm, I'm Kyle Scherer. And I'm Owen Vandenberg. Uh, this episode we're doing uh, a follow-up to one of our early ones, X-Men 2. Uh, Steph, this is your pick. What is it a follow-up to? X-Men. Okay, not a follow-up to Spider-Man. No. Even though we talked about this movie a lot yeah. in Spider-Man. Chronologically, it's kind of a follow-up to X-Men Origins Wolverine as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's chronolo- It's it's also, I mean, chronologically a follow-up to The Hulk because it came out after that. Chronologically, so. everything's a follow-up to everything that came before, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I meant within the passage the of time. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. In general, like this second is chronologically after that mm. other second that had happened before it. Because of the increase of entropy. There mm. you go. The logo for this uh, podcast should just be a gigantic hourglass <laughs> to signify the passage of time. So, yes, this this movie was mine. I'm We're up to a flying start. <laughs> Turning thirty this year, in case you haven't put that together, <laughs> so it's been on my mind. Uh, you're that young. X Men Two, X Men Two. Let's jump into it. <laughs> so I did choose this movie. Um, this is my favorite comic book movie of all time. Ooh. Maybe, maybe not the best. Um, I'm not sure if I'm, I'll go that far because I do, I do acknowledge that it isn't flawless, but I do think it's virtually flawless. I mean, I do think it has some flaws, but in the grand scheme of things, those those are very easy to overlook. And I get a lot of pleasure out of this film. And I also greatly admire this movie, especially considering that it was made in 2003. Um, and it, you know, if, for, for what it is, it still holds up. And that's now almost 15 years ago this movie was made before the Marvel um, Cinematic Universe and before what we currently think of as, as modern comic book movies. This film... Uh, as a sequel to, and, and to a lesser extent, the first X-Men, which isn't quite as good. Um, but the, these two movies, X-Men and the next two, um, are just uh, so impressive to me as pieces of cinema um, and also part of a wider genre that comic movies have become. And they're really special movies, in my opinion. This one especially. I, I think it's extraordinary. I really, really love this movie film. You have to understand we thought Bobby was going to a school for the gifted. Bobby is gifted. You should see what he can do. Have you tried not being a mutant? Since the discovery of their existence, mutants have been regarded with fear, suspicion, often hatred. Drop the knives and put your hands in the air. I can't. Are they the next link in the evolutionary chain? Or simply a new species of humanity fighting for their share of the world? What do you need, William? Just your authorization for a special operation, Mr. President. We've managed to gather evidence of a mutant training facility in the upstate New York. This facility is a school. Sure it is. Nobody really knows how many even exist. Or how to find them. Except you. I don't know, what do you guys think? I've been grappling with the question of whether this is still my favourite X-Men movie because until about a week or two ago, mm. it was mm. clearly hands down the best X-Men movie but Logan has since come out and now I'm thinking they might be tied. I'm mm. still like, because re-watching it for this episode, I was like, oh, actually this is this is still real good. This is pretty good. It's <laughs> remarkable how much it stands up yeah. Um, still. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's still probably my... 
I mean, you got to put Logan up there in terms of like a claw fight movie. Uh, we, we've <laughs> spoken before about the IMDb plot keyword claw fight, which is used on every single X-Men film. And then Lion King is comes in at like 10th or something. But yeah, damn good claw fight movie. Damn good X-Men movie. It's pretty hard to, to floor it, as, as you said. Yeah, it's it's. I remember it came out and I was already excited about it because I had been a fan of the first X-Men and it had been getting good reviews. And, you know, Spider-Man had come out the year before. The beginnings of this new wave of comic book movies had started. You know, Hulk, Hulk came out the same year. So after the 90s debacle of, of sort of, bat, the, you know, the Schumacher Batmans, you know, the, the genre did seem to be looking up. And I was very excited at what this seemed like it was going to be and I was not disappointed and only and I just whenever I think about comic book movies I think about this movie there are still Mm. so many scenes in it that are so iconic to me and have been almost seared into my brain I mean like the the scene uh, the the coming out scene with Bobby Drake's parents and then the pyro fight scene is still when I think of a comic book movie scene I think of that scene yeah um when I think of a great fight scene I think about the Wolverine Lady Deathstrike fight when I think about it I mean it has one of the best opening sequences of all time yeah that is easily the best like thing in any X-Men movie for Mm. me is the Nightcrawler White House break-in it was funny watching it again I went oh it's you know what this reminds me of the quicksilver scenes in oh, uh, in yeah. days of future past yep. i think references and was inspired by that opening <laughs> nightcrawler scene yeah. the, the way the camera pans around that that room and mm. the way we follow nightcrawler through his fighting is really not unlike because uh, it actually goes into slow-mo as he's bamfing around yeah. in that first scene. And it really reminded me of that, that scene in, in uh, Days of Future Past. And that was the, Days of Future Past was the first Brian Singer one after yes. this one, right? Yes. It seemed like he you know, was not directing the franchise until back until he got back for Days of Future Past. So you might remember in the last episode, we, we talked about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. And I was talking a lot about how that film felt like a throwback to another era or another wave of superhero films, specifically the original Supermans and some of the Batman films, and that it really felt like Spider-Man was this real hybrid of the old style of what a superhero film could be and some ideas of what the future of superhero films can be. But then concurrently alongside those superhero movies, Brian Singer was making X-Men and X-Men 2. And then... Which, which then sort of, to me, that the natural progression from these two movies is actually probably Nolan's Batman, like in terms of doing something a little bit different with a character and, and trying to think a bit outside the box, obviously in very different ways and in very different styles, but definitely veering away from what we had previously known about big superheroes, which was Batman and Superman. Um, but I guess what what really strikes me about... The X-Men film, sorry, what strikes me in particular is that at the end of this film, Brian Singer didn't do any more X-Men and instead chose to go back to Superman, which is mm. direct, like, is actually, to actually follow up from the classic. So, because, and, and re-watching this and thinking about it from that lens, I kind of understand. Like, he probably thought to himself, because I never understood it. I never mm. understood why he would walk away from this franchise to do that. But then, you know, if I think about it, he might have said, look, I've just made a really good movie that I'm really happy with. Um, I don't know if it's really, if it's worth trying to top it. 
Instead, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go back and, and actually pay homage to the movies that I loved in a way Sam Raimi did by literally making a sequel to, Sp- to Superman, <laughs> Superman 2. Because what he'd done with X-Men really was quite a departure from what we know, what, what previous superhero movies had done. And now X-Men 2 is seminal because of some of the things it was doing with superhero movies. Because if you, if you combine Spider-Man with X-Men 2, you sort of start to see the beginnings of what the Marvel model is now. Definitely. Lots of character, big set pieces, but lots of characters and lots of intricate plots and wit and all of these things that sort of meld together into this what we now think of say the avengers but yeah i can i now kind of if i think about it in that way and maybe i don't know what brian singer was thinking but maybe that explains it i don't maybe they just offered him more money i think it was also like <laughs> i mean he de- superman was definitely his dream project yeah. as well and that's always dangerous when a director has a dream project because they will often make uh, possibly questionable career choices to get to do it mm. uh, and something like and you can understand doing it if it's the thing you've wanted to do for decades and you suddenly get the opportunity of course you're going to take it it was always so upsetting because there was such a potential there for to be honest the perfect trilogy yeah, great like trilogy. you know it would be x-men x2 and then if mm. brian had continued and told the dark phoenix storyline in x-men 3 yep. and whatever he decided to do with that he would have probably kept it real and done it the great thing is though he came back to the franchise he he and um and vaughn with with first class and then him with days of future past did kind of revive it in and you know to their credit did that but there was some missteps along the way (laughs) which we've all suffered for i suppose (laughs) this movie um is one of the many where i've noticed the sort of trend with comic book franchises where if it's the same director doing the first two movies the second one is always quite good like it's usually one of the best ones and it's uh i was thinking about like tim burton did batman and batman returns yep. Batman returns is probably the best of those i would say the best of those batmans mm-hmm. um nolan obviously doing batman begins and dark knight and then sticking around for the third one but the dark knight's the clear standout mm-hmm. of success this one is definitely the best one uh, as mm-hmm. well and i think it's that thing where if a director's had a good time like setting up the world and setting up their language with the first movie and then the second movie is where they really get to play and tell mm-hmm. the, the, the type of story they want to tell uh, in that universe and so I think that's really exciting and I think that's where this one sits is like Brian Singer has set up how X-Men work he's convinced everyone okay we're all on board with the concept of X-Men now let's tell a really really solid X-Men story yeah exactly <laughs> and you're absolutely right he he does exactly what a good it does exactly what a good um, sequel should do and that's yeah just sort of take it and run with it and not you don't necessarily have to have seen X-Men to get it like it does enough kind of set up that you kind of still you know you still kind of learn who the characters are in those early scenes but yeah he's 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 stopped setting up and we're in a world and we're just expanding on that world now I, I mean, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's not much to say about X-Men 2 other than it's like a really fantastic movie. <laughs> and, uh, the scene to me that always sticks out in my head is uh, Magneto's prison yeah. escape. That's, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's stuck with me. Uh, I'll just quickly race through the plot keywords. Oh, yeah, uh, we're going to do the plot keywords. About 280 for this one, and there's, there's some fan- fantastic keywords in there. Just a great selection. <laughs> uh, I've, I've curated a small list of my favorite plot keywords. These keywords are multo, multo, bene. <laughs> uh, ice manipulation. Oh. Claw fight, of course. Of course. Uh, and then two kind of, well, uh, one is uh, kissing while having sex. 
And I th- Ew. And one is gross. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on where where the boundaries of when it counts as having sex, but I wouldn't have like said anyone has sex in this movie. Well, I think what the, I I was I was really trying to figure out what, what that was referring to. I think that was referring to tent. Mystique. Yeah, yeah. And, the tent uh, scene, maybe. And, yeah. and Logan. But, like... They're not no having sex in that scene. Well, no, yeah. it's shot from the... It's the barely torso. foreplay. Yeah, yeah. she just climbed in. Mm. Like, there's no time yeah. for... <laughs> How long does it take? Come on. <laughs> um, we have to have a talk. <laughs> and then, there's no... There's definitely no foley work of anyone's uh, pants <laughs> being zips removed. Zips. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last plot keyword uh, is... Female to male footsie playing. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. And 280 keywords. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And these, those are the ones you picked out. The, this highlights. is my list. I think well, what I try and do when I get these plot keywords <laughs> is just like what really tells the story of the movie and as as little keywords as possible. So just is get that these nuggets. as well? Like, no, I think that's Iceman and um, Rogue. Well, it'd be Rogue and Iceman. If it's oh, Rogue, and Rogue and Iceman. Yeah, sorry, no, female it to is, male. No, it's female to male because it's when it's when Mystique drugs the guy. She that's does, what she I was thinking. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. See, I mean, it really, tap. but see how evocative these keywords are. It's already like <laughs> really, yeah. Ice manipulation, claw fight, kissing while having sex, female to male footsie playing. It's that's X Men Two. And when they were doing the script, that those would have been the final post notes left yeah, on the, the, on the wall yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, they would have stripped out everything else and those would have been the, the oh final ones there anyway we should jump into the opening sequence because it is like one of the awesome comic book movie, uh, comic book movie sequences of Nightcrawler busting into the warehouse uh, White the warehouse. House. <laughs> the warehouse to be fair probably was filmed in a warehouse <laughs> yeah uh, busting into the White House and just like fucking everything up my favourite part of the sequence is his disguise which is just like He's like painted himself with white paint or something. His yeah. disguise is basically like white guy with a tail, and just the Secret Service are like, oh, that's okay then. He's white. He's <laughs> cool. He's cool. <laughs> He's got like weird uh, sunglasses and this like beanie that obscures his face. He looks like a uni bomber, and yeah. they're like, yeah. let him in. He's like, yeah, matches matches the color profile, yeah. so that's fine. And then then one of them sees like his white makeup start to come off. They're like, he's not white. Code red. Code red. <laughs> And then they start freaking out. Oh my God. And then he just starts like bamfing everywhere. It's like, it's such a good sequence. And the like, bamf sound effect is perfect. Yeah, you yeah. hear it and you're like, that's a bamf. Yeah. It's just, it, it's amazing. And Alan Cumming, so perfectly cast. Yeah. Uh, I, I, oh, I not too much of a fan of Alan Cumming as Nightcrawler. Oh, really? uh, yeah, I just, he doesn't quite do it for me. I don't know why. He's like not as suave as, and, and sort of nimble as I imagine Nightcrawler. Crawler to be is like a bit ungainly almost for Fair me. Um, who, who would you who would you like to see in the role? I don't. I kind of like. I quite like the new Nightcrawler. They've got new films. The oh young, yeah, that kid was good. Sort of like more Cody, Cody Smith. Yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah, like a yeah. really young kind of almost lanky. Yeah, kind quite of, skinny. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a scrawny little thin blue guy. Like it looks more like <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> one, of, one of those. Yeah, but uh, I think Neil Patrick Harris went for it. Like I could I could have gone with that. I, I think Alan Cummings fantastic. Post Harold and Kumar. Okay. Uh, I, I'm sure out. that Neil Patrick Harris knew his revival was coming. I yeah. Think, yeah. I think he knew it was like it's on its way. I don't know what is going to be the thing that gets me back in the limelight. Well, but it's going to be what, something. Why not Nightcrawler? What got sure. him back in the lights into the limelight was making fun of himself. Yeah. Exactly. And then yeah, he. Yeah. 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 But 
Oh, I, I think Alan Cumming's fantastic in this film. I, I like think, him a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think he's great. Anyway, I love that fight scene, but yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the scene is just spectacular. It's great to really hit the ground running, and it's also, they, they don't waste any time with, like, uh, I guess, holding back on the potential of a, of a teleporting character for an action sequence. Like, they don't spend, you know, a whole time introducing him, and then you find out at the end of the movie, oh, this is how badass he can be. They start yeah. with, this guy's an absolute badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just, it's fantastic. It's, and they play the Mozart Requiem over the top, yeah. and they just... It's just, everything about it is is great, and he really nearly does kill the president. Well, the best part of the scene is when he's finally he's like knocked out all the Secret Service agents, and it's just him and the president, and he he gets his knife with like the little label attached to yeah. it, yeah. saying something like "Mutant Forever, Freedom Now." Mutant yeah. Freedom Now, like he's in a political cartoon with like his exact viewpoint, <laughs> just so, sort of like a label on him. Like it's like he's got a little name tag that says "A Mutant Assassin," and he's holding a knife. <laughs> that says mutant freedom yeah. and, the, and the president and the, has a mallet that says taxes yeah yeah <laughs> the statue of liberty's crying in yeah, the background yeah <laughs> but that was fantastic and then some agent like regains consciousness and shoots him and he like gives out this little whimper and disappears but the, the, the dagger is left on the table yeah. yeah it's just it's just spectacular and then we cut straight to a scene where logan um wolverine who is in his i mean at his peak really this oh. is I mean, and, and is that I mean, a mountain pun? <laughs> yeah, he's at his peak of a mountain, and he, so he's out in the snow. Best place to have a dam, the very, very apex of the <laughs> yeah, mountain. <laughs> so, at the end of X Men, Logan goes away to find out more about his past because he doesn't can't remember anything, um, and so he sort of goes off to look, and he steals. He steals um, Scott's uh, motorbike. motorbike and leaves. So he's off. He's off on a bit of a, a sort of vision quest for himself, um, and he finds this old dam. And he he kind of he gets there, and there's nothing really there. It's very deserted. He sees a wolf. It's not there's a wolverine. A, there's a, there's yeah. a very poignant scene where he stares eye to eye with a wolverine. It's not both, a wolverine. They both recognize just, in each other. Yeah, this, they, is, this is a real bugbear for me that this keeps happening. It happens a lot in the comics too. But he just, he looks at this wolverine. It's and a wolf. The, wolf, the wolverine. <laughs> the wolverine looks back animals. at him. Wolverine to wolverine, <laughs> and they both kind of it's, see they, they both kind of like nod at each other like the wolverine gives a little nod yeah, and Jackman like, gives a little they're nod they're trying to make like you know the animal connection and stuff but I just I feel like it, it just bugs me so much that it is that he is not a wolf like he's not a wolf themed mutant he's mm. wolverine it's a different maybe animal. it was a mutant wolverine that things. was just really big <laughs> but no. this mutation was to look like a wolf but it's definitely a wolverine <laughs> absolutely does, a wolverine he does this with uh, with apes and monkeys as well he calls he calls King Kong a monkey, a, b- a big monkey, but still a monkey. No, he's it's an ape. Not the size; it's the it's the fact the he doesn't have a tail, so he's an ape. Mm. Anyway, right. so anyway, we, Wolverine stares at a Wolverine. Next scene. So anyway, he's off looking, but he doesn't really find it. And then we also then cut to another. I mean, every scene in this movie, every scene in this movie is good. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, I can to be honest, I can think of like when I tr- instead of trying to think of highlights, I just try and think of flaws that I can think of, and there are a few. But they're all kind of like they are there, but ultimately I don't care about them too much. The biggest flaw being probably how Scott is treated. And really, mm. that's not necessarily even just for this movie, more for the trilogy 
Cyclops is very much underserved and so is really Storm. Not She's not so badly treated in this movie. She gets a bit better run than she does in the first she one. She has a lot of real bad expositional dialogue this time. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's always the one that's like, the jet is crashing! Yeah, <laughs> but she also, at the end, is kind of the person that saves the day. Yeah, they give well. her something to do. She does but, do but stuff. She get, and, but Halle Berry is also really not good at handling the, the level of theatricality that you need for... I don't know uh, if I agree with that. I think I, I she's think good. I think for a lot of... like, I'm talking about with the really bad expositional dialogue. Like, she, okay. If you've given her shitty dialogue to work with, I don't think she has the the gravitas yeah, that, like, that, that, that you know, McKellen and Stewart bring to. Yeah, like, you give yeah. them that shit and they But it's like, it she just won an Oscar before this. Yeah. So they'd beefed up, they'd like gone back and beefed up her role because she had such a huge profile. But it's like, instead of expanding her character they've just like given her a, they've, they've just put her name above a bunch of scene descriptions and just turned it into dialogue yeah. so like half her lines like interior X-Men jet we're, <laughs> we're flying over the Pacific Ocean I think you're being a little harsh but well yeah, it's, just, like, it's, it's a bit of both like she's a bit clunky but she doesn't get the best material but I think we're, we're at the what the museum scene yeah now? so we're at the museum and they're, they're, they're um uh, yeah, the, the, kids, the kids. The kids are on an excursion, and it's like the Natural History Museum. They're looking at all these displays of these stuffed wolverines <laughs> in various cages. There's like a, a big white wolverine with oh this very God. furry down. And there's a the thing about legs. how like Cro-Magnon wolverine probably yeah. bred with like early modern modern wolverine. And there was a wolverine like... with wings that looked really great. And <laughs> oh, there's just there's a big saber tooth wolverine skeleton. As yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah. It has saber tooth wolverine as the species <laughs> but again, name. That's such a good. That's such a clever bit of background sort of uh, <laughs> all right okay background we're we gonna keep doing this in. yeah okay uh, so then uh then my f- i mean aaron stanford didn't really end up doing that much with his career i mean he's now he now stars in 12 monkeys on the sci-fi channel which is actually pretty good but i swear to god i watched this movie and was like if this doesn't make a star out of this pyro kid i don't know what we'll talk about stealing a goddamn movie it, the, the biggest the, the biggest one of the other flaws in this movie is why isn't Rogue with him like he's so much better than Bobby mm. he's like Bobby Drake is such a wet blanket and so annoying in this movie we cut to um, I mean he is he is an ice themed guy yeah, so it's not his shit, fault that man. it's a wet blanket he's like, just he's, he's it's kind of his deal yeah. yeah he's just shit like so, so Paro's a fire blanket which ironically is a thing you use to extinguish fire <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Pathos. <laughs> oh my god. Inherent anyway. in the character. We cut to, yeah, so the, the, the teenagers are, are sitting around in the food court and these boys are at, uh, sort of having a go at Pyro. And in just, like, in one scene, this kid just sort of owns the film. Like, he's basically like, I'm, I'm just... I can control fire and fuck you. Like he's yeah. just—he wouldn't he, you so be like that if you had fire? Yeah, powers, he's yeah. he's like perfect. He won, he won he, the mutation lottery, like and without, he's got cool powers. He even barely does it without any lines. Just mm. the way he looks and the way he treats this other kid with such like I'm so much better than you arrogance is just perfect. And it's exactly what you want to see a young teenage mutant do. Mm. Like you're sort of like, yeah, this is. They wouldn't be all goody two shoes. They would be struggling to figure out why the world hates them because they're awesome and that's why that character's arc is so powerful later in the film anyway there's another scene that happens in the in the uh in the in the museum where we start to see 
that um, that Jean is starting to have headaches and ha- struggling to control her um, psycho, um, you know, her psych. What is it? Telekinesis. Well, not just a telekinesis, but hearing um, Tele- thought, telepathy. Telepathy. Yep. Like, so she can sort of. She's, she's hearing things and she can't control it. Scott says something like, oh, ever since the Liberty Island incident, you haven't been the same. And if you remember, there is a scene where something happens to her in there and I think it's the beginnings of the Phoenix coming alive. So she says, I have this feeling something's really, something really bad's going to happen. I just, I just am not, uh, something's wrong. And what I love about this is just how it does sort of flow through the whole movie, this sense of om- ominous dread that is connected to to gene and yeah. and famke jansen does a really good job of sort of always having this look of worry mm. there's, behind... a bit, there's a bit where there's an old soothsayer that wanders into the museum <laughs> and points at her and says yep. you will have a misery bat- and woe visited upon you and well disappears. she's already going out with cyclops <laughs> <laughs> Burns, oh, man. <laughs> so yeah, but she she does she does it really well. She she sells she sells this sort of worry and paranoia really well, mm. and it, it it pops up again and again throughout the film. And apparently, Brian Singer came up with the idea to kill her to kill the character. Spoiler alert! Mm. At the end of the film, um, kind of during during filming, and it was he first approached her with the idea while they were filming this scene and this was when and she and she was all all for it and yeah. so it sort of affected her performance from that point on and and yeah i just it's really hard to fold this movie <laughs> everyone freezes because oh that's right a dick. and apparently they were like rhymed that the, the freezing is really good it's all these people who who freeze yeah he, he can he's so powerful yeah He's basically a god. Yeah, uh, yeah, he really is. He can do his own version of the mannequin challenge whenever he wants. <laughs> That's right. He breaks up the... Because the, the teenagers have gotten... The pyro has gotten himself into a bit of trouble. So he breaks them up and they all leave. And uh, then I guess we're back in the... Oh, Well, the, I think you drew the comparison when we were watching from Xavier being able to freeze like an entire building full of people while he just like wheels through and he's like got them all like completely frozen to the spot yeah. with what he ends up becoming in Logan. Well, th- there's a scene towards the, I mean, at the end of the film, the mm. ho- so, so the, the villain plan and the villain is Stryker, mm. who we'll get to in a moment, but the, va- the plan is essentially to use Cerebro and uh, Xavier as a weapon and uh, use his brain to, like mm. basically he says, if I concentrate hard enough, I can just kill everyone. Mm. And, you know, in Logan, which is set years in the future, there are allusions to the fact that uh, well, there are no X-Men left and there are no mutants left. And there was some sort of incident at the Westchester school. And it doesn't, we never get told in Logan what actually happens, but it is, it's hinted mm. that it was something to do with Xavier and that he's having these seizures. And I guess it was cool to see. It was like, mm. oh yeah, yeah, like he's always had that power in yeah. him. And so, yeah, if he ever went, if whatever happens, like he could potentially kill everyone, like, because mm. he's just that powerful. But uh, so we, we then Stryker is uh, played by um, Brian Cox, who's fantastic. So such, good. Such a great villain. Also the very first uh, person to depict Hannibal Lecter on yeah. screen. And I've got a lot of time for his Lecter. It's a pretty cool. <laughs> Which one was that in? In Manhunter. Uh, Manhunter oh. In the Michael Mann version. Mm, um, the first one, basically, yeah. in the 80s. But he, um, so he's, he's Stryker, Colonel Stryker, and he's... Um, he is with the president in the Oval Office going, oh, yeah, shit, yeah, well, you were lucky to get out of that one, weren't you? Mm. You should let me go and investigate this school because I know that there are mutants there. 
Has Brent Cox been in the MCU yet? Has he shown up in Marvel? I don't think so. No. That seems very surprising to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I I was thinking about that today, going, like, surely he's been in there by now. Yeah. Like, I guess maybe he hasn't... He hasn't really done a lot of big Hollywood stuff. You know, some of these guys, they do... He went through a period where he was doing a lot of them, though. Yeah, he did do... Because wasn't he the bad guy in the Bourne movies or something? Wasn't he in another franchise? Maybe it wasn't the Bourne. Oh, he was in the Bourne one somewhere. Um, Yeah, and he's, like, like in the ring. Yeah. He kept showing up He's been in a couple... I think he was in the Mothman Prophecies as well. He's in, like... Love anything to do with the moth. Moth oh, I'm a prophecy. big moth moth fan. <laughs> um, yeah, but like he's he's that he's one of those guys that can just really bring a lot uh, of well, weight to anything. He's, he's just been a great Odin. Well, he seems very evil. Like yeah. I can't imagine that you know him not playing like a kind of sinister bad guy. Brian Cox to me is like one of those kind of interchangeable kind of elderly British gentlemen that can kind of like him, Brendan Gleeson, um, the guy who plays like Michael Gambon, um, who's the other one? Uh, Jim Broadbent. You know, like they're all sort of naming Harry Potter professors. Well that's right. They do end up all end up being Harry Potter as well. But you know what I mean? Like they they all to me are a little bit interchangeable. It's like they they play a lot of villains. They yeah, anyway. So but anyway, he is great and and so he gets the approval from the uh, from the president to investigate this school um, because he wants to but but he promises the president that nothing will happen to the kids because that would be bad PR Um, also the school definitely needs to stop using the jet so much because there's two different points in the movie where people call out the fact that they have a jet is the weird thing Yeah, that's how they convince the president they say like this is a school oh it's a school but they have a jet that comes out of the basketball court and then later on there's another bit of dialogue where it's like we just go to you know we just go to a regular school yeah with a jet the whole X-Men jet never really made much sense to me it just seems a bit I would have. Well, they have. They need something to get around. Yeah, I would have rather they just have like some kind of team teleporter or beast just invent something or something like that. I don't know. But having a jet just seems always seems a bit weird. I will but... hear no no more negativity about the Quinjet. <laughs> and... Oh, it's not the Quinjet. It's the Blackbird. Oh, isn't that the Quinjet? Yeah. No, the, the Quinjet is the Avengers. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. My it's bad. weird that they have a jet as well. Yeah. But... Sorry. My bad. Okay. Uh, so then Logan comes back to the school and, and Rogue, who's like in love with him, um, is so happy. I guess one of the other flaws for me in this movie is, is it how they treat Rogue? Because Rogue is set up in the first X-Men as being like one of the main characters, yeah? yeah. And in, She's the POV character pretty much. Right? Pretty much. <laughs> well, her and Wolverine. And, and, and like the movies do, all of these movies are... Wolverine is the main protagonist, and it's that's why it's so weird that he had his own or, he's had his own spin-off because it's like well, kind of the X Men movies were about his yeah. his origins anyway. Well, but, we did a movie about Wolverine this yeah. time. Yeah, it's like well, who? Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, he so he comes back and um, yeah, I guess just because Rogue was such a seminal, was such an important character in that first film, and watching the in the second and third movies and subsequent movies, her just get more like written out basically yeah. over time is very disappointing. Because she's the future past is the worst one for me. Oh well, yeah, exactly. So yeah, she yeah, it's a real shame because I really like Anna Paquin's performance, and it, and in general she was well cast, and it it, it would have worked really well, and the character's really cool. She's got cool powers. Um, so it's just a shame that sort of, yeah, she just doesn't really do much in this movie. Um, but she does, you know, she's happy that Logan's back. Logan comes back and he flirts with Jean a lot, which is, he's such a scoundrel. He is. He's like, he's so like... He's a bad boy. Yeah. He's such a bad boy. He's got boy. a motorcycle. It's Scott's <laughs> motorcycle, but yeah. still. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the contrast between him and Scott is, is always funny. My favourite little part is when he gets, he steals Scott's car 
and he turns on the radio, uh, turns on the um, music, and it's set to "Bye Bye Bye" from uh, yeah. NSYNC. And it's like, oh, he's got oh, such God. a dork. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've also have we've skipped over the fact that uh, Magneto is in a plastic prison. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. meanwhile, Magneto from the first film has been caught, and he's now in this incredibly cool plastic prison, mm. and he just hates it. But he gets getting visited by. Striker, who is using some sort of mind control serum mm. on him to tell him everything about the so the school and ev- Cerebro and mm. just everything in yep. general. He's just using him to sort of as a piece of information about mutant kind. That's another thing I like about this is the last scene in X Men One is that great uh, chess game yeah. between Xavier and and, and um, uh, Eric. Yep. <laughs> I feel like if I'm not going to call if I'm going to call Xavier by Xavier, yes. name, but I feel mm. like I should call him by Eric Lencher. But yeah, they they're having the chess game and he says like. Um, this plastic prison of theirs won't hold yeah. me forever, you know. Yeah, exactly. But the, the thing about, um, I pity the poor soul that comes to that school late at night looking for trouble, and then we get exactly that yeah. scenario in this movie. I really like that bit of setup. Like, it was mm. a really nice little. Oh, it's it's yeah. just so the plastic well done. prison is such a cool set. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. It's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, all these plastic chairs and everything, and yeah. So yeah, he's, he's, he's in there. He's like struggling a bit, he's in solitary confinement. They won't let him have like a single magnet. And he's just very—he's very—he doesn't get—he misses his magnets, and he's not allowed to play with any magnets. He's like what, even like a really really weak magnet, even a fridge magnet. Just give me a fridge magnet, and they're like, no, you're stuck in this plastic prison. You, you did a terrorism, so now you're not allowed to have any magnets for three years and it's and that's because you're white it's only three years yeah well that's why it's not dead like can you um, why wasn't he just executed surely they could make like a plastic electric chair or something like that i don't know plastic electric chair owen is that possible probably not no No, i think you definitely need something that can conduct electricity (laughs) at some point in the electric chair metal's pretty good for that i mean i get that i mean they could give him an injection or something yeah, a plastic, plastic injection. With a plastic plastic needle. I reckon yeah. you could get a needle sharp enough to, yeah, to, you to inject. Yeah. You could just stab him with a sharp plastic knife. Yeah, I guess. just a shiv from yeah. a, from a big pen. <laughs> um, so he's there, he's doing his thing, and uh, meanwhile, oh, okay. So then we have the the the, the big the nighttime scene. Oh, well, the attack at, on at the X Mansion. The attack, the attack on X Mansion, and this is, I mean, another one of the classic scenes of the film where we have this huge, incredibly cool Wolverine fight scene where Wolverine just takes down all these bad, all these kind of guys with guns. Yeah, and, and guys that don't have blood in them. Yeah. These yeah. weird genetic engineered guys that just have no blood and I Wolverine know. just punches them with his claws. Especially and after Especially yeah, having seen Logan so recently yeah. and it's yeah. so violent and bloody. And then this is violent but not bloody. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still damn cool. It like, is cool. Especially when cool. he's like clawing two people at once and then he'll just flip just them over them. his back. Yeah. yeah. Oh he's he's so cool. He saves all the kitties and this is where we get some cool little shots of all the other yeah. you know, kinds of mutants that are in there. We we get um a bit of um you Colossus? Know, Colossus, yeah. yeah, screaming, screaming girl. Oh, met Banshee's Banshee daughter or whatever. Siren. Yeah, um, Kitty Pride as well, and yeah. a little bit of Kitty Pride before, before she was Ellen Page. Yeah, and my favorite mutant, TV boy. TV, TV, boy. TV no sleep. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are your powers? I can change the channel. Well, we have machines to do that. <laughs> I can sleep. Well, that sounds like a problem. <laughs> yeah, I would be <laughs> so. Like an inconvenience. I would be so fat if I didn't and grumpy. If, oh, I, if I, I had any mutant power. 
I would be like instantly obese. What? What mutant power do you do you Wait, guys is want? Is that the power to become instantly like, obese? I'd be, I'd be basically the blob, but it wouldn't be my power. It would just because I, I became completely lazy. But like, what? Like even if you like lift, had wings or whatever, lift food to my. Uh, if if it was mainly like telekinesis ones, I would just like lift food to my mouth and just like sort of just like. Just like I wouldn't you even, I wouldn't even feed it. I would just, you know, I would preach it, and then I would just like gravity do the rest. I just sort of like <laughs> dr- dr- start dripping it onto my face, and just, just like I, I'd just be like catatonic. Oh, I'd be just like lying. There. I like, washed I, myself with a wet rag on a stick. <laughs> I have this friend who marathoned, or this guy I used to know who marathoned um, five seasons of Twenty Four in uh, six days. So oh. he basically watched in in real time, and by the end, his stomach acid had burnt through like yeah. some of his body, and he had, I think he had to go to hospital. Oh that, god, that what? would basically be me because he had like acid reflux or whatever because oh. the, the stomach because he was lying prone for so long in the same position and not sleeping. Yeah, but oh. I, would, I would I would basically be like that. Even if I was the TV no sleep guy, I'd just be like changing the channel with with my eyes just constantly yeah what what mutant do you want to be would you want to be what mutant powers would you want to have on uh, i guess like whenever the powers question comes up i always either want telekinesis or teleporting mm-hmm. those seem like the mm-hmm. most useful ones yeah i like um, the flying ones well see, you can fly with telekinesis yeah oh i guess if so. you concentrate enough yeah. i guess you can't get speed most of the time but yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't like the idea of having to like make myself fly. I want to be able to just fly. You know what I mean? I, f- I feel like when um, if all you can do is fly, that particularly in the X Men universe, that would really feel unfair when there's so many other characters who just can fly as a side effect yeah, of what they do. Like I Storm mean, can make herself fly. Magneto just puts metal put in his in his outfit and so that he can fly. Just wears tap shoes. Yeah, he can just like levitate. So yeah. if your whole thing is just that you can just fly, then like. What are you like? You're basically Deliveroo. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I was Magneto because Magneto often like wears like little metal shoes or whatever, so Mm. he can make himself levitate. I would just like. I would just like sticky tape like metal rulers inside all of my clothes and then just like marionette myself around. Like, I, would, I would not use my muscles for anything. I just like tape I just like tape metal rulers to my arms and legs and then I'd just be walking around like a Thunderbirds character from place to place. It was like lifting my legs up with my magnet powers. Oh my, oh my goodness. Alright, well I just like stick little metal things on my jaw so I could just like <laughs> that's how I'd talk at some point you still have to push air over your vocal cords oh god no. I just I just write things down with my like I just like tape a pen no, a, you, a metal pen to my hand and I just like you, scroll things down you, could, like you wouldn't that. even have to do it to your hand you could just think of the metal you could just mm. carry around like a metal lecture sketch and just have that display letters to people. Oh That'd yeah, it just, would just like yeah. levitate next to me and it'd like make things and, so you just yeah but that, that's what I'd, do, I'd be doing <laughs> So all of your powers are laziness thing. Yeah, just, yeah. So, just so he doesn't have to move his body. Yeah. Yeah, lovely, lovely thought. Uh, so, what about yours? Well, yeah, like, I, well, flying, something to do with flying, but it doesn't have to be just, yeah, I agree with you that just flying is kind of a bit lame. So I, I think something like, yeah, maybe Storm or maybe like, um, I do quite like Wanda Maximoff's powers. She's the the, yeah. the um, like kind of just magic and being able to just do shit. Like that would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess telekinesis. I wouldn't like... I do like the mind control stuff too. That'd be sick. <laughs> like, And God. knowing what people are thinking. You're like purple man or something. Yeah, I'd just I be like, go and get me a coffee. Well, to be honest, I tell you to go get me coffee. Go get me coffee. <laughs> anyway, do I don't... 
you, you tell me to get coffee and I'd, my body would just be like, <laughs> like marionetting up the stairs. <laughs> this is a sad tableau. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm just bamfing in and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, hey guys, I brought you some. <laughs> yeah, bamfing. Uh, yeah, that's real. That is a cool power. I would like. I would like teleportation without looking like a nightcrawler. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, want to have the about, social isolation. What about the sort of the the residue that he leaves? Like you know, he bamfs it's and like, there's like a it's, smoke it's like a, little. Because that's that's because he's traveling through the limbo dimension. So whenever he so the the bam thing like that sound is from the collapsing air when he disappears. So it's yeah. that, that's the air like rushing in on itself. Mm-hmm. Then he he goes into this dimension which is basically like hell dimension where he can move really really fast and then he pops out in in like the place that he teleports to yeah. and the the little cloud is just like. It, that's like escaped atmosphere from limbo because it's the hell dimension so it's like brimstone and smoke really yeah oh i didn't know that yep oh i mean i can understand why they don't go into that in the movies i want more <laughs> of it just like cyclops's uh laser beam eyes that's because his eyeballs themselves have little tiny portals to this other dimension Wait, of energy. I don't know if that one's real. <laughs> no, it is. And then when he when he opens his eyes, it's just like the energy escapes from the portals from the energy dimension. And that's why the act of like hitting something with his optic blast doesn't just blow his head off. Because oh, the okay. force, all of the force is going back through the little vortexes. Right. So that's why there's never any are never you, any consequence. Yeah. The, that was when they tried to explain why it doesn't just like knock his head back with whiplash whenever he hits something with his eye beams. Wolverine's claws come from a dimension where everything is claws. <laughs> yeah, claw dimension. <laughs> He's got little portals in his claw wrists. Fight. <laughs> It's like when they retract, it doesn't like fuck it's up like, his armor. He's got, a, he's got a doppelganger in the other dimension, and just whenever Wolverine, yeah, whenever Wolverine uses his like, he retracts his claws. That guy's hand gets pushed in like a glove, and he's he's just got these like reverse fingers that come. So he'll be eating a dinner, and then Wolverine will go snicked, and he'll be like, oh, not again. Uh. <laughs> okay, well, look Daddy, why are you such a disappointment? Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, they, they they escape. He and he and the teenagers, uh, Wolverine and and Rogue and um, Pyro and Iceman escape. And uh, I don't like Colossus in this movie. You don't like Colossus, no. but it's mainly because I really like Colossus in Deadpool, and because they're the yeah. same continuity. I yeah. want that Colossus. I don't want him to just have a like a bad Russian accent. I, I, like, I mean, I liked his cameo. I like what, he, and I yeah. liked the when he goes, "I can help you," and he says, "Help them." Like, I actually, yeah, that makes sense. I like yeah, that. No, we don't have the budget for your metal skin. Yeah. Go back in the hole. But he should have been. I can help you. <laughs> right. I help you now. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I'm the Russian accent not being there is kind of sucky, but I do like the look of him. Like he looks good. Uh, like he like the what the metal I think the I metal prefer the, the look in is he wearing jam Deadpool. is he wearing jammies is he yeah. wearing pajama pants they're all wearing jammies in that scene yeah, that's what's like, so cute like, about it they're yeah. all like in their little jammies Logan's still in his like uh, singlet tank top uh, and the jeans that yeah. he never takes off apparently well Should, he would smell terrible oh yeah <laughs> is but, it, but is still kind of sexy oh, no yeah. there's a real funk around him I reckon <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe there's some, like, yeah, maybe... maybe Pheromones, Maybe, man. yeah, but, like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't reckon Wolverine showers much. Uh, is it worth talking about his little stay-away-from-my-daughter conversation that he has with Iceman? Where he's kind of, like, they're both yeah, kind of, like... that's a real disturbing thing in this one in particular, where they're kind of 
both still playing up the big brother kid sister relationship from the first X-Men that, that Wolverine and Rogue have, but also like... She wants to fuck him. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, she wants to fuck him and they're kind of playing with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, Yeah, I found that a bit uncomfortable. Well, I mean, basically Bobby Drake is in... <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at my own joke. Cool. Good one, Kevin. You <laughs> Everyone get ready. Bobby Drake is at risk of being cupped from. <laughs> love that word. I do. Well, you know, I've spent a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, cuckolded by. By whom? By. <laughs> Guys, we're recording this kind of late at night, so we're all a bit silly. Um, Don't say by whom. Whom do? For whom the cuckold cuckolds? Uh, <laughs> no. okay, what's what's your cuck by who? Cuck by who? <laughs> by Wolverine. Because <laughs> he's the only one who can. He's the only one who can handle that. Because he heals. <laughs> Please, just, can we continue? Let's just drop this. We might cut this out. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so Bobby's pretty funny. He's like. She's my girlfriend. And Wolverine's like, oh, whatever, bub. But it's like, it's a bit like, he is like a weenie in this. <laughs> he is. Oh, he's very unlikable to me. I mean, th- th- my point is, if she if she doesn't try and get with Logan, try and get with Pyro. Any of the bad boys are better mm. than this fucking idiot. Anyway. What about No Sleep TV boy? Well, even yeah. him. He's a he's, keeper. He's cool. He's reliable. He can change a channel for you when you don't, like, <laughs> uh, you know, even though most boyfriends would probably just do that anyway if you ask them. <laughs> With their hands and muscles, or with their metal-controlled hands, mm-hmm. either way. Anyway, is this about the time that the Magneto um, breakout scene happened? No, no, that's later. That's later. Yeah, oh. it's much later. Okay, um. so so anyway, they're driving along. Oh, meanwhile, Rogue and uh, Jean have gone to find uh, Storm. Storm. Ro- what did I say? Yeah, so Storm and Jean have gone to find uh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Can some of you can, can, I, can I get a hand, guys? Because seriously, I'm clearly struggling. I'll, I'll take Evelyn if you want. You keep doing the plot. All right, you do it. Okay, cool. Uh, Rogue and Wolverine have gone to meet Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> so Storm and Jean have been sent dispatched by Xavier to like go 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 find Nightcrawler, and Xavier is on his way to meet uh, Magneto. So no one's at the mansion mm. except Wolverine and Colossus and all the children. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, Storm and Storm and Jean find. Uh, Kurt, uh, Nightcrawler, and make friends, and mm. they have the jet, right? Yeah, they yeah, do. they got the jet because they're in Germany. Are they, no, they're in Germany? Boston. They're in Boston. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's from Germany. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then then there's a weird kind of like everyone's sort of split up. <laughs> Xavier gets um, gets gassed while he's visiting mm. Magneto, yeah. and Striker sort of comes. That's to one of my favorite scenes. Is anything with where. Uh, Ian McKellen and, and Patrick Stewart actually interact oh, is great. So so good. Because like so he's like, what did you do, Charles? Mm-hmm. Did, yeah, you did you bring you me a magnet, old friend? He's <laughs> like, no, magnet. I couldn't bring you a magnet. You know the rules. I've got a very good scanner. I no, stop asking me to bring you a magnet. <laughs> Anyway, so that he... This is the direct quotes from Waiting for Godot. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what did you tell them, Eric? What did you tell them? Everything. 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 Yeah. So much, like, weight and just, uh, yeah, it's great. Oh, everything about their performance is so cool. So, yeah, that this is where, yeah, so Patrick Stewart is now stuck, well, Xavier's stuck in there and, and Lady Deathstrike um, beats up Scott. Um, he does kind of get a few hits in, but yeah, yeah, 
Scott is he yeah. has like two scenes in this movie yeah. it's yeah. just a bit of a pity because he is like a great character like his he went he went through a bit of a revival like a, a few years ago I think about the time of Joss Whedon's run on him where kind of rehabilitated him from this like stick up the butt kind of dork who nobody likes to being like a really sort of brilliant leader and like quite a badass uh, but yeah that hasn't really been in the movies yet yeah it's 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 one of the flaws of this film, really. One of the few flaws. Meanwhile, Stryker, before Wolverine escapes with the teenagers, um, there is a scene, though, where Stryker and he have this really cool scene where they sort of, he's like, you don't remember me, do you? You're an animal. And this is where we start to understand that Stryker has this, is part of Wolverine's backstory. Mm. Um, but Wolverine doesn't quite know yet what 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 that relationship is and bobby does some ice manipulation and mm. puts up a big wall between that's actually them. pretty cool it's a nice little moment and there's a nice thing where like striker on his side is just putting his hand up to like feel the ice and test it like like as in like a, oh is this mm. a real thing or is this an illusion uh well, i assume that's what he was doing yeah. and then but it's a nice little moment on on wolverine's side where he actually just kind of reaches out and puts his hand there like he's having a little arrival moment yeah, like actually, to, I never really it. thought about that, but you're right. Maybe Stryker does routinely check if things are illusions because he's got a son whose power yeah, exactly, is to just exactly fuck with I mean. his head. Yeah. So yeah, he I never, I never even really made says. that connection, but yeah. that, that's kind of cool. I like yeah. that idea, and so I like that there's a bit of like the, from his side, it's very, it's very tactical. He mm. doesn't, he doesn't actually, he doesn't like reaching out or waving, mm. and then Wolverine's like, oh shit, mm. <laughs> like yes, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then yeah, Wolverine's they, like, daddy. Yep. One, one of the good things I really like about this film, and it happens at this point, is that all the characters get split up. Mm, yeah. So it, it's, and this is where the sort of, this is where I think what makes it such a cool and good comic book film is that it doesn't follow a very cookie cutter plot throughout the film where, yeah, there's some thing that they all have to find and then that'll, you know, fix the, the big bad or there's not, you know, the, the, it doesn't follow these tropes that we're used to following. There's an, a somewhat intricate plot, but not overly complicated. Like it, 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 it's it's intricate enough to hold your interest, but not too detailed that you know you're overwhelmed and you don't know who's who and what's going on. Yeah. It's easy to follow, and yeah, that the the characters get split up and go, and interesting character combinations happen. Yeah, especially like Wolverine and the kids. So that storyline of him him then going to Bobby's house is so you know is interesting and we see we're seeing people in a different line and we're putting these these characters in different positions that they would normally be in and it does it just so well and again i mean like i said this was a precursor to these movies now that have too many characters like mm. you know yeah like the avengers 2 or even guardians think, or something i think even stuff. avengers 1 struggles to yeah, tell what the characters it agreed, has and x men 2 has like more of them and does it, it better x men 2 even okay yes a couple of characters don't get served that well but overall they all get a moment they all mm. are true they're all kept true to themselves and cool, cool shit happens to them. like there yeah, are cool yeah. scenes. It does help. They're already all on board with the idea of working together as a team, whereas Avengers mm. is about setting up that yeah. that team to begin with. But you know, yeah, it's still it's fair. It's it is better. Like it's definitely better than the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it so that they're yeah. And then oh, by the way, Mystique is another character in this film. And in the in the background, she's sort of been doing her own thing. She's been um, impersonating Senator Kelly, mm. um, Bruce Davidson. Um, is awesome as oh, Senator yeah. Kelly and he was great in the first movie and him coming back as you know the mystique version of him is cool he does a really good job yeah that's that's always great even like the tiny little um, tells that he gives of, like the way he walks when he's 
changing from you know Kelly back to Mystique is yeah just some really good sort of physical kind of acting in order to keep up that identity because they're basically keeping it a secret that he died mm. uh, she probably has to go to a lot of like Shitty senate movie. estimate committee yeah. hearings and like a lot of just just upkeep on his life yeah <laughs> Totally. She, it, it, I don't know what... Uh, yeah, it is... It, she, she's playing into it. She, yeah, yeah. She, like, she's like having sex with his wife for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. She's listening to like his old constituents. She's like got all these problems in her... In her oh, she's in really her the, she has to call like, for donations for a uh, campaign. There's like, a whole yeah, House of Cards style series yeah. going on in the background. It's like, that's why she hasn't broken Magneto out yet. Yeah. She's, she's got so much other political stuff to do. But yeah, she is trying to break out Magneto. So by doing that, she, she poses as Lady Deathstrike. She, she breaks into their striker stuff. She finds that they're... They've got something to do with Cerebro is going on. Um, and she also um, figures out how she's going to um, get get Magneto out. And that's by um, <laughs> injecting one of his guards with pure eye, pure liquid iron <laughs> into his blood. Yep. Which is still such... Probably the greatest Magneto moment. And I mean, oh, we're talking God. about like mm. including the Fassbender stuff. Like, this scene is just... How they came up with it? I don't even know how they. Pretty short as well. Like I remember like watching it again today, and I was like, "Oh, I, th- I remember this being much bigger and going on much longer." Nah, but they don't. It's, it's just... like good restraint. They're just yeah. like you just boom. And I love when he's just walking slowly forward, and the whole prison cell is just breaking and yeah. shattering all around him. And has one much... of my favorite McKellen lines, which is, "Something is different about you, Mister Lario." Too much iron in your blood. <laughs> yeah, he's just so badass. And he killed... I mean, what a way to go. Like, a yeah. bunch of blood being sucked from you. Yeah. All, from all across your body. And you just see all these little pieces coming in. And only the tiniest bit of metal, but he can still break out it's, of it's it. It's funny that, like, Wolverine slashing people with his claws is, is bl- absolutely bloodless. And then you've got Magneto, like, exsanguinating a guy yeah, right on screen. Mist. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's, yeah. it's such a good scene though yeah, you make me, like, I just love how slow Magneto's moving in that he's mm. just got like one marble sized piece of metal and he's like I'll take my time and it just sort of slowly floats yeah. and the fun thing about like the, the sort of atomic uh, orbital thing yeah. that he does with it, they're just like moving around him in this kind of mm. so good yeah, it's just a little bit of extra flair that I love Every, everything about it is perfect mm. like, it did make me wish that they'd done the th- at some point in the X-Men movie he's done the thing they did in the comics where Magneto rips the adamantium off Wolverine's skeleton. It's funny that um, we never got that. Yeah, I'm surprised so they never many went movies. there. Yeah. Like, well, we definitely got, yeah, in the He's first... always, like, holding him. I yeah, guess the idea a... is, like, if I do that, if I take all the metal out, then I've got nothing to... I can't, that guy can just punch me now. Oh, <laughs> that's true, yeah. The, the guy that's known for punching and stabbing people, I can't hold him back now anymore. Yeah. So. It is always amusing in these movies when Magneto just like grabs him in midair and then just hurls him about yep. ten blocks away. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Oh, he's such a good villain. So good. So now Magneto's out. Meanwhile, we cut back to Wolverine and the kitties. And this is, yeah. this is the scene I mentioned earlier as being sort of, for me, such a... Why this scene? I mean, I know obviously it's a coming out allegory. I mean, that's been that that you know everyone Another knows that that that's sort of ageist metaphor in um, the X Men movies that it's, it's so well known for. It, what ageism? It's like the the big thing, the metaphor that uh, X Men is from. 
God. I'm, I'm not following you. He's, do, I'm not he's going doing down, a bad bit. Yeah, I'm again. not going down this, this particular garden oh, path. God. <laughs> anyway, you know how old people are persecuted against. Yeah, no, I. I, I all right, I, I they, they can't all be winners. Go on. <laughs> anyway, so, so they're at Bobby's house, um, and again, like. How they got this pyro character to give him this arc in in what five or six scenes he's yeah. in, and he has a he has a fully realized. And I mean, talk about when people say, "How do you?" But like, so when people say, "Oh, you can't have that many characters in a film," how are you gonna? This film does it, and it shows you that you don't need a lot of time, you don't need a lot of dialogue, you don't need, you just need the you know a, a good angle and the right character type in the right place and situation, and an actor that can pull it off, and you've got it. Yeah. So like, there's a scene where Pyro is looking at the family photos just by himself, and there's like a reflection of him in these sort of very sort of white bread. And, and and instantly you know, mm. like instantly you know what that character's about. It's just it's genius. And then of course, so there's the big coming out scene where she's like, you know, the parents are trying to deal with the fact that their child is a mutant and and uh, and all that sort of thing. And then the shitty little brother calls the cops. Mm. Yeah, what a little shit snitch. Also, really cute little cat scenes in this. Yeah, I did like that. There's a nice moment where Wolverine gets startled and gets out the claws and it's a cat mm. and he and the cat just licks the claws and then he pulls his claws back and you hear this little meow yelp did you hear that? <laughs> yeah that's a weird like did he kill the cat yeah. after all? no he didn't because the, the cat is still alive yeah. but it does sort of make this sort of like meow like <laughs> what is that? anyway so but then yeah the little brother calls the cops snitches on him and uh, then there's this the, the, the cops are surrounding the house. They shoot Wolverine in the head. Yep. The, the scene is so well cried. And this is what I talk about when I talk about Brian Singer being a great act director. And I think the whole film is well directed. The whole film is very considered in where the camera is placed and where the actors move around the scene and pacing and all the sorts of things that a director controls. And this this scene is a perfect example because it's 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 like textbook direction like it it the, the establishing shots the character close-ups that he gets the, the the way the music and the, the way the tension of the scene is crafted it's just it i still think it's an incredible piece of cinema and then like yeah so put the put the knives down put the knives down and he's like i can't and the the, the menace in his voice that they then shoot him right in the head and that's when Pyro goes sick. Mm. And uh, I and really am not a fan of the line. You know those bad news you've heard on that on the news. Well, I'm the worst one. Like it just that rings really false for oh, me. I, I mean, feel like it, it is it's a bit. Do you a know line. what happens when a toad gets hit? Yeah, by a that's line. what it feels like. A little bit clunky. Kind of it's like, not that. It's bad. like it would work in a comic, but yeah, not a, not I when you actually hear it out loud. Yeah, I don't buy that he thinks that about himself at that point. I don't know. It's just a no. Thing I think like, he does. So I think that's the thing. I think this is his moment of going. I'm. A, I'm. Uh, you know what? I. Yeah. I can, I can do this because I can fucking control fire. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like. I mean, he he's kind of realizing that he has villain powers. Yeah. Like, he, he can... there's hero powers and there's villain powers, and being able to just throw fireballs is a villain power. Like, you can't really use that for good. <laughs> that's, Especially that's when right. your best friend is an ice-themed guy yeah. and he's clearly a hero archetype because he's pretty bland. There was actually a great little series about these young kids who 
sort of they all had powers and they sort of like were had variously kind of screwed up backstories and they sort of toyed with the idea of trying to become superheroes but they all had supervillain powers yeah so their powers could only be used in destructive or murderous ways mm. and they're like oh it's so easy if you have a power like you know the beast or like you know someone else where it's got like multiple uses but when you have a power that's just like melting things yeah what are you gonna, gonna do yeah. oh if I, there happens to be an iceberg yeah you know, i can yeah exactly well anyway um rogue also then uses her powers to put out the fire mm. she sort of grabs his ankle and and sort of um subsides the fire and then of course wolverine spits out the bullet in his head and kind of comes back to life and at this point uh uh gene and storm arrive in the in the jet and uh, and they all get in. So that's now now these two groups have sort of have mm-hmm. have teamed up. And we get a bit of a sequence where I think they cut away to like Striker's got Charles and uh, oh, God's yeah. Xavier mm. and introduces his son who has nightmare powers or something. Mm. That's oh, his that's son so creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's very creepy. His son can make anyone hallucinate anything they want. And, and he looks. He's got those two mismatched coloured eyes and just like that little scar over his face like they've been experimenting on his brain or something or like lobotomizing him or something it's really creepy but i think he's loosely based on mastermind from the comics uh who mastermind was like kind of part of the brotherhood of evil mutants and his powers were just sort of to make illusions and make people see things that weren't there and he looked like this really attractive kind of dapper guy but that was just the illusion he was casting really he he was kind of a an ugly dude and he was always hitting on Scarlet Witch I think but yeah he was completely changed for the movie but it's so creepy when you yeah, see yeah it's him. done really well his yeah. powers are done really well so so this is when the plan well not fully starts to emerge but you know that you know that wherever Striker is he has this Cerebro plan and now he has Charles and now he's sort of pitting Charles up against his son Jason yeah. and then they're in the jet and then Storm does some weather stuff. And this is, you know, remember when you said that Storm only has lightning powers? Lightning powers. Well, in this movie, she doesn't yeah. just show lightning powers. She's got powers. tornadoes. She's got tornado mm. powers, and later on, she has cold powers. Mm. Yeah, so I, I do stand corrected. They use Storm's powers much more creatively in this, uh, whereas in X Men 1. It is like she she makes things overcast once. Yes, I know, but she has lightning powers. It's just like we're throwing not lightning. The okay, whole thing. we're like, not going to relitigate this, but <laughs> Storm in this uses her powers a lot in a lot more interesting ways. So yeah, they have a they have a dog fight with a um, a couple of jets. This is when this um, should happen to them more often because they are just like flying, flying around, around yep. in 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 US airspace. Yeah, like, if you put a drone up or point like a laser pointer at a plane, then like the FBI comes around to your house. Yes. So yeah, yeah, if you're flying around. A jet. Oh, this also leads into my favorite piece of trivia from IMDb, uh, possibly of all time, uh, about this movie, uh, which is that according to Brian Singer, this is the first film to feature a woman piloting an American military aircraft, but it isn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Singer just says that this scene where there's like a female fighter jet pilot coming up next to them is like the first one, but apparently but is, it's not is being uh, untruthful uh, okay well there you go so uh, w- this is also when Jean uses her kind of burgeoning phoenix powers to completely fuck up one of the missiles but only one of them and there's another missile it bursts blah blah blah, blah and rogue this annoys me this bit where rogue can't get her seatbelt on like a little wimpy girl and she flies out and um nightcrawler um 
that catches her and then they start to go down but magneto catches them when will they learn how to fly when will these people learn how to fly i can't do it fly you fools Um, so then, uh, so then they're all camping out and Magneto's like, now Magneto and, and, uh, Mystique and the others have kind of joined forces and they're realizing, and Magneto knows all the Strikers plans because, well, he knows a lot of them. And so between Magneto and, and Mystique, they know a lot about what Strike is up to and they have to figure out where to go. I love how sassy Magneto and Mystique are. Oh, he's such a bitch. They're just like gossiping and like, we love what you've done with your hair. I know, he's (laughs) such an old queen. He's like... So, like Quentin like Crisp. Yeah. He's just, yeah, you can just see him like sort of sauntering around Oxford Street in Britain, just like <laughs> having coffee and like, yeah, like hanging out with Kate Moss or whatever. But yeah, he's, he's just very, yeah, it's great. And then... He, ju- he does act like a person who's just been sprung from jail and is allowed to use his powers again. So he's just kind of on top of the world and <laughs> laughing it off. Yeah, and he's just like, It is kind of idiot. a disappointment for him that they're in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> like, surrounded by organic matter yeah. why can't I be in an iron ore mine <laughs> um, so anyway they, they then so um, this is when uh, oh boy oh boy Wolverine's such a bad boy like Jean's like no I'm not I'm with Scott and then he just kisses her anyway he's like, Scott he's ain't like, here Scott ain't here and then she's like I don't really make- don't mean a thing baby He's such a scoundrel, but she's sort of like, no, leave me alone. And then Mystique does her like little sexy changing into a bit different people. Point. Yeah, and that's that's the other part of the through line of like, hey, Rogue's maybe maybe you want to fuck Rogue, huh? Oh yeah, because yeah, she changes into Rogue. Rogue at one yeah. point, she's like, what do you really want? But <laughs> then she a turns weird, in- a weird scene to film. Where it's yeah. like every single female actor has got a call on set today to make out with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> or just like lie seconds. on top of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then she turns into Brian Cox, which makes it even... Yeah. Yeah. What do you really want? Oh. <laughs> God, uh, I love Mystique in these. Yeah, yeah, she's so cool. Anyway, uh, they then decide that they've got to go... Oh, they find out where the base is by Jean reading Nightcrawler's Mind. And they go to the base, which is actually still at the at the old dam. And this is now like the third act of the film. They figure out how they're going to get in. Uh, yeah, I feel like they spend like they spend a lot more time at the facility than I remembered. Like mm. I, it's still like it's like the last hour of the movie, mm. I think, or forty five minutes. Or yeah. so. I remember that just being like the very final bit. It's actually like quite, quite a, a while. Yeah, because they break in and then well, everyone's got a face off against them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like, yeah, all the different pieces that they've set up. Everyone's at the one place now, so everyone's mm. just bouncing off each yeah, other. There's yeah. a bunch of pinballs. It's multiple mode right it's, now. It's, yeah, it's kind of just like everyone's got to have their one on one. So yep. Wolverine's got to fight against Lady Wolverine. Jean's got to fight against like brainwashed Scots and. Yeah. Mm. Well, Storm breaks. Storm and Nightcrawler. Then Nightcrawler mm. has to decide that he can bamf somewhere that he can't see. And oh, he gets yeah, inside that's Cerebro. A, a really neat little conclusion to the best subplot in the film: <laughs> Storm and Nightcrawler's treatises on faith versus reason. Faith yeah. versus skepticism. A little underserved and unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like, I, I don't have faith. And Nightcrawler's like, I do have faith. Mm-hmm. And there's like about three scenes of that. And then it kind of pays off, I guess. And he gets over his fear of ending up in a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like by teleporting into a gigantic hollow sphere. Yeah. Which is like, if he was trans, if he was bamfing into the middle of like some narrow maze, then it'd be something. But really, if there's one room that you'd want to teleport into, it'd be that one. Uh, There's, yeah, there's lots of, and then Mystique obviously kind of does, she, she, 
she gets them in there by, oh. by pretending to be... Mystique's them. rampage through that dam is <laughs> so goddamn good. It is It is incredibly well done. There's and one then... little bit where she slides through a closing door while throwing the throwing her uh, middle finger up at, like, all of the soldiers. It's yeah. just so good. And when she turns into Brian Cox and yeah. she, like, sort of... And yeah. he's like, Gives bye. Kiss it away yeah. Yeah. as the doors are closing, yeah. And they, I think they must all really love being her. Yeah. And yeah. even, like... And, and when Brian Cox takes one look at the Wolverine road, um, Wolverine Mystique and goes, if I know anything, it's my work. That's not kill it. Yeah. And, like, he has that funny look and he's... It's just... Mm. Oh, it's so well done. Uh, they, they break the kids out... Um, They've though because Scott was brainwashed, he's he's blown a bit of the the dam, and the dam is now falling apart. Mm-hmm. You- oh, this whole time uh, Xavier has been getting yes. brainwashed by 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 the kid uh, and being made to think he's in the the the, the, the Xavier mansion. Yeah. yeah, the Xavier mansion with like uh, a little girl who's like, we need to find all the mutants. And then at this point, he's basically in the fake Cerebro, thinks he's in the real Cerebro, and he's. Locating all the mutants, and the, the this is where the plan comes to fruition that they're going to try and get him to concentrate really hard on them so that he kills all of them. Yeah, and then Magneto beats everyone to him, goes in there, swaps it all around. Oh, and I love that bit where he's yeah. just like, and he's just like, yeah, does a little Christ pose and lifts into the air and moves all the things around. He doesn't need to fly for that bit. Yeah, he could have been standing there and just do it with one hand, but yeah. no, he's I, yeah. I love him re- reprogramming it on the fly. It's like, yeah. access main menu, like, <laughs> settings, <laughs> settings, uh, invert mouse, no, no. Uh, He's like, this is a Unix system. Yeah. I know this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but I guess um, the, the you must restart your computer for these changes to take. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I do not want to install updates. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, I mean, it's it, it's a testament to how intricate this film is. In that I'd kind of forgotten what the main villain's plot was. Mm. Like I was like, oh yeah, well, like sorry, not during the film, but having remembered it, like. If when I remember this movie, I don't remember Stryker's plot to kill all the mutants. No. I remember all the other scenes around it. No, you, you know, yeah, you I remember the night crawler fight. I remember the Lady Deathstrike fight. I remember the you know the pyro scene. I don't remember, you know, yeah, him being in Cerebro trying to kill everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's still good, but it's not. It's that's a, that's how strong the other scenes are. Yeah, you know what well, I mean. But it's it's a beautiful plot because it's like he hates mutants. His plan is to kill all mutants. It's, it's so simple, it works. Whereas in X-Men 1, the one thing I hated was that Magneto's plan was just to like turn the world leaders into mutants. So yep. it was just really, really dumb and it had no real, real yeah. world analogy to it. Uh, but this one, it works. He just wants to kill all mutants and then Magneto wants to kill all humans and the X-Men are kind of in trying to stop them both. Yeah, yeah. 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 So then they, ex- they finally escape even though the dam's dying. Meanwhile, we got the... F- we did... We skipped over the, the, the sort of the, the end of the pyro arc, which is he has this beautiful scene with, with Magneto where Magneto's like, you're a, you're a god amongst insects. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And then he ends up joining there. So joining the, the, mm. the Brotherhood of Mutants. Meanwhile, um, uh, yeah, so they all escape. They get into the jet with all the kitties and everything. And then this is then the movie just, if you, if you didn't already love it, this final scene, this, well, not oh, fun. We, 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 we skipped over Striker's uh, goodbye to Wolverine, right? Oh, yeah. So, so I, I have skipped over. that way, Wolverine. I have, I mean, I have skipped over a bit. I mean, we skipped over the Lady Deathstrike fight. Like, yeah. there's a bit where, where he does find the where he was created. 
Wolverine and uh, and he and Lady Deathstrike have a have the have a big fight in that you know in that kind of now quite iconic set that keeps mm. coming back in the other films of mm. like where Wolverine was created, uh, and then yeah he gets they do end up kind of hurting um, Striker and he ties Striker up and. He goes and he's carrying the little boy to say goodbye. And yeah, whose little... power is to stick his tongue out at people because mm. yeah. he has a weird lizard tongue. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they have this sort of weird sort of mm. conversation where I don't know. Well, it's important like, gonna... that he's like, I don't need to know that much. What's more important is the family I've. I've found. Yes, you know. yes. And which is sort of then undermined in later films because yeah. he does keep trying to find out where he came yeah. from or his origin story does keep getting told again and again, mm-hmm. which we're not yeah. really interested in anymore. But, yeah. but you know, Logan makes it a bit better. Um, so then then this, there comes to this scene that is so... It, it's the perfect ending because it, it really... This, this film that had been so epic up until here has an epic finale, which is... That awful, worried look on Jean's face comes to fruition. She's she's in the jet, and I do really love this performance too, from Famke Jansen in this scene where she's just got this sort of, she you can tell she's sort of now on another plane, like like where they're like, oh, where's Pyro? She's like, he's gone. Like everything is sort of. She's sort of now working at this. She's kind of at the Xavier level now, where she's not really concentrating on what's going on in front of her. She's she's seeing everything Mm. at another level. And she's seeing, before, she's seeing the past and the future. Mm. I think at the mm. same time, and and it's very clear to her what she needs to do, which is she needs to save the team and save the kids, and that involves her sacrificing herself by going out of the jet and stopping the water that's coming and helping them lift off. Mm. And she just displays, I guess, probably the most powerful display of powers that we've seen so far. She completely controls the jet. She completely, she uses Xavier as a conduit for her own, for her voice. Mm-hmm. She stops, she, she stops the, she cut, she, she locks down the, the, she completely controls the ship and she stops Nightcrawler from bamfing anywhere. Like she, so she's completely in control of the situation and they can do nothing but watch. It's... It's it's just so well done. Like, yeah, I, it's, it's, I, it's, it, it's this, beautiful and sad and, and amazing. So many, like uh, like Patrick Stewart delivering her yeah. lines and like mm-hmm. the thing which like with um what's the guy's name that plays Cyclops? Oh, or, um, or James, James Marsden. Yeah, yeah. Like his his like there's no like weird thing of like wait why are you talking to him? He, he just he just he talks knows. to him like yeah. his Gene and it, like sells it really well. The reaction afterwards with between uh, Hugh Jackman and. It's a little overacted, but I, no, it's, honestly, it's double- I feel like that is earned by how good everything else leads up to that point. That I don't, to me, it doesn't feel like overacting in that moment because yeah. it's like so heavy. I, I, I feel like they've actually yeah. done the, that. The whole movie kind of works up to this beautiful moment and this beautiful image of like their jet departing Alkali Lake and Jean's just standing there holding back this wall of water, and then just before like the water collapses in on her, that. Wolverine from the, the, the <laughs> very first scene in the movie it comes in front of her yeah. from the water and it just like waves its little paw and she looks at the Wolverine yeah. and then she knows that she can let go now and then the jet flies off and the water just like floods in and, over her and the Wolverine yeah, and she just gives it a little nod yeah like, they time. nod at each other <laughs> oh my and God. then it's like the end in the beginning of the movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Viewers, there is no Wolverine in the end of the movie. He's being blasphemous again. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Yeah, there's some coda scenes where you know they're they're still dealing with her death, and he says a few lovely things. You know, Xavier says a few lovely things about her. But then there's a scene where he sort of gets distracted by something. There's in that last scene where he's mm. he, uh, Xavier's sort of about to give a class, but before he does, he sort he of he looks out the window and he sees, <laughs> he sees a Wolverine, <laughs> and it's just standing, but it's standing on its hind legs on Jean's grave, and it's just kind of which like is a real fuck you to Xavier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it just and it gives a little salute, and then Xavier opens the once and future king, and then just starts reading yeah. from. Oh it. no. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a little note inscribed on the front page of Once a Future Kid. It's like, to Charles, no. thought you might need this. And there's a little paw print just signing <laughs> yeah. it off. It's so beautiful. Such a perfect, perfect movie. Yeah, so, anyway. like, the actual last shot, like, of the panning up across the lake and they have Gene's voice doing the, the um, voiceover yeah. from the first movie of every now, you know, every, every couple of millennia, evolution makes leaps forward. Yeah. And you can see under the lake... Just faintly, like the outline of a, of the mm. phoenix, yeah. basically of like no, a bird thing. Cool. When I first saw this movie, and like it wasn't until like multiple viewings of it that I actually noticed that was there, and so that bit felt really weird because <laughs> I was like, "Why are you just it's, showing?" It, it is, felt like they're just showing the lake, and then bam, credits. Yeah. It is. It is very subtle. <laughs> it's very subtle. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm like to their credit, I'm glad it's subtle. But like, it was that yeah. thing where like the first time I watched, it, I was like, "What?" Yes. What? Why there? Why did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it should have been a phoenix noise or something. Like you see the light and you hear this like, and then a little Wolverine yeah. squeal yeah. as well. And then Dumbledore's there and yeah. he says, "Hello, folks." <laughs> 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 no, I mean it's just I know we've kind of just fawned over it. I wanted I, I know that picking movies that are good and that we like are risky because obviously it's we can't. Although we did manage to make a lot of stupid jokes about this one as well, but I mean I think it's easier obviously to, to make fun of a bad movie and to sort of talk about what's shit about something but I did want to I just I really feel like this film is really seminal like really important in the canon and I I, I just love it and I, I I still go back to it and still think yeah this and some of the not the you know the the dark night and maybe some of the more modern marvel movies still and this one though i think still holds up like yeah, watching this movie again is never a chore no like, i wasn't worried about watching this movie again for the podcast at all i was kind of looking forward to it because it's like i've seen it probably about five times or something yeah it's 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 just it's real good it's really good guys if you've never yeah. seen x-men 2 i we recommend it yeah um do we, we? I guess we read the film. Uh, I mean, pretty good plot. it's yeah, a good right. plot. I mean, how does he? Yeah, it's a little complicated. Don't put your base in a dam. Don't put your base in a dam. Maybe yeah. don't rely on your like your weird son. Like, yeah. it's a little like he's. Could <laughs> the same mistake that the guy made in Jurassic Park, leaving the security up to Newman. It's like don't you got to stop with the nepotism in in these businesses. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, he, your son will betray you. Or his son will at least. He's flaky, you know. Yeah. Like he's not really. He's not. He, he's flaky so, by, by definition. So Brian Cox had a daughter in the ring who put psychic, <laughs> psychic horrible images into his wife's mind and his mind until his wife killed herself. And then he had a son in this who did the exact same thing because they mentioned that like his son kept on like flushing weird images into their mother's mind until she like what took, a, took a knife and no, like, she took a, a streel to her head, and I remember oh, because right. it's so evocative. Yeah, like yeah. he's like, yeah, she took, was tried to bore the images out. A, yeah, a, it's a really uh, intense movie. movie. If this movie had the had the gore of Logan, oh. it would be 
it would be even better. Like it just, it, it just, it's just because it's rated the way it is that we don't see the blood. But it's definitely adult themed. Mm. This film, like it's quite, it's quite dark. Mm. Um, Do you remember when it was called? X2 colon X-Men United Yeah, that's terrible. That always really bugged oh, me because I, I guess that. that was... Well, but nah. the X-Men were never not united Yeah, because the X-Men is not all mutants. Yeah. The X-Men are the good guys. It's, yeah, it was yeah, X-Men plus like, Magneto united yeah. for a bit but then until he betrayed like, them. Also Magneto and Mystique are there. It's not yeah. even the whole Brotherhood. I guess yeah. they are the whole Brotherhood Where's Toad? Where's Toad? Nah, well, you, you know what happened to him. Oh. He was struck by lightning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what happens to a Toad? Pretty much the same thing that happens oh, okay. to everything else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and on that note, yeah. thanks for listening. We've got uh, plugs to do. Uh, you can hear me on 3MBS uh, 103.5 FM every Saturday. I present Arts Weekly. And I'm an improviser. You can normally catch me in shows, but at the moment I'm taking a bit of time off from performing, so I've not really got much to plug, except I am going to be on another podcast, which uh, is coming out at the moment. It's called Fate and Fables, and it's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast, hosted by a friend of mine who's a very talented DM, and they're sort of self-contained campaigns of about six or seven episodes each. I am one of the characters in the campaign called The Fletchley Contracts, and you can hear that right now. It's available on iTunes and wherever else you get podcasts fate and fables and my other podcast is on australian history uh it's at laststoptonowhere.com i promise you new episodes will be out by this time this this, <laughs> this episode comes out <laughs> promise we'll see yes i'd totally like to watch. update my plugs to melbourne comedy festival 2018 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right well may your uh claws always be sharp <laughs>